Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. To celebrate Christmas, which is today, we thought we'd share some Christmas monsters with you. Some of our favorites. Most of these I didn't know existed. And now I feel like I was born in the wrong country because they're having way more fun than we are. I was looking these up and I typed in Christmas monsters into the Google machine. And then I was like, this isn't Krampus. And got very excited about all of the very violent women. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I'm surprised that a lot of people tell their children about these (laughs) yeah yeah i love it yeah (laughs) it's it's a vibe it's a certain kind it's like a different christmas spirit like america we're like yeah buy stuff eat too much love each other and in other countries they're like eat buy new clothes and you better work as hard as you fucking can (laughs) or else (laughs) or fucking else and i put those f-bombs in there on purpose because it's real (laughs) (laughs) it's like the second Halloween, and I love it so much. Yeah. And I want to bring second Halloween here. Yeah, it's it's winter Halloween. And oh. I'm sad because we don't have a winter Halloween yet. And I feel like we've been bamboozled. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like dark Christmas. This is what I want. This is the beginning of winter Halloween for everyone that listens. So our first fantastic, scary Christmas figure is named Frau Perchta. And she goes by many, many, many different names. And lots of them have different meanings based off of what part of her history you're looking at. She started out as something called the Bright One and then slowly became the scary Christmas monster. The folklore is from Austria, particularly from Salzburg and the Alpine region. So throughout her history, she was known as many, many different names, like I said. And some of them you may be reading certain Christmas things thinking you're reading about another figure, but it's actually just her again. So again, her name was Frau Perchta. Frau Perched. Frau Post. Peta. Peta Baba. Perched. Birched. Birchta. And Birchta, I feel like, had more information overall. Yeah. And that's one of the older names. Yeah. Bertha. And Holda. So not all of them even match, (laughs) but she's known by many different things. And it's because some of her roots can be found in various different origins and other goddesses, too. It's commonly believed that her roots are ancient Germaic. Some believe she was actually worshipped by ancient Alpine Celtic tribes before Germaic tribes. So she could be much, much older. So like I mentioned, Birchta... You can find a lot of information on too, and it's it's the same person that you're researching. So Birchta is another version of a Germanic goddess Hulda. So both names are used interchangeably in German folklore. So some of her elements are still in German traditions. One being, they say Birchta shakes out her feather bed, and that creates the first mm. snowfall each year in Germany. It's really whimsical. Just very interesting. I think it's similar to like our Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like the American ones are dumb compared to every other country's. We're like, put your pajamas on inside out. What are you talking about? 
What is that? I forget that you live in Arizona and you are from the West Coast. Okay, so on the East Coast and generally where it snows, we want it to snow because I, so I'm in Baltimore, which is like just snowy enough where whenever it snows, people are like, oh my God, like freak out. So if there's, if there's bad snow, we still have a snow day. So when you're little, if you want a snow day to happen, one of the things you do is you sleep with your pajamas inside out. Oh, that'll make it snow for sure. (laughs) Amanda's looking at me like I'm insane. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely it. We know weather doesn't work like that here. (laughs) So (laughs) I think it's just like an old wives tale about the snow, though. It's just a thing to get kids excited about it being snowy. I don't think we have any weird traditions like that here. We just we just know it's just hot forever. You don't like put your boots on inside out to prevent like a dust storm or something. No. Oh, you know what? I lied. People believe if they wash their cars, it'll rain or a dust storm will happen. She also appears in some of Grimm's fairy tales. There's a tale relating to older middle-aged tales of Birchda and how she would leave everyday items as a reward, such as wood chips and... They would turn to gold for good, hardworking people. So kind of Santa-esque, you know, like leaving something for the good people. I don't know. But she does appear there. So she is in various places. On top of that, some stories of her describe her as having like a goose foot. Yeah. Like an odd shaped foot. Is it just webbed toes? Like it's bigger, I believe. Like they believe that she might have been a shapeshifter. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But she often related to like a swan or a goose and like wildlife. And and of all the things she chose, she chose goose feet. She might have a goose foot is what I'm trying to say. And so because she was at first very like motherly and well loved by like children and women, she might even be the first version of Mother Goose. And again, we're talking about Christmas monsters. So this is very weird to me that originally she might have been as lovely as Mother Goose. Hmm. My oh my, I wonder how she could have changed. The same way that a lot of things get changed. The usual suspects. Anyways, so she was a well-loved goddess who protected babies, children, and women. And some of Grimm's writings reflect that Birchda was considered a guide to the afterlife to help the souls of babies and children and then lead them to the afterlife and then possibly, I think, the life after. There's several stories I was able to find. And one of them is about like a woman who's mourning the loss of her little boy and she sees him and I picture it as like a ghost along a hillside and he's following other children and he's following a woman in a white gown and she was often talked about being you know a, a woman in all white or the white woman or the the woman in white like there's so many different tales of her and he runs from the children and he comes up to his mom and says like don't cry for me i'm safe and i'm under the white lady's watch and that's stories of birchda before she was just like this loving motherly figure for spirits almost right yeah and so because of that she's often or was often associated with the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. She would also wear three golden keys on a belt, which represented all parts of that cycle. Sometimes she was thought of to have long black hair worn in braids. And a lot of the times, like I mentioned, it was a long white gown. However, in later tales as she evolved, she turned into essentially like a hag and she looked disheveled and scary and monstrous. 
some even I think in some of the festivals now she has like horns. So she went from being like this beautiful motherly figure to this like disgusting, scary thing. And like you said, there's a reason why. As far as like her shape shifting, she they think that that might be why she had the goose foot. She was also often thought of to have like abilities to protect wildlife. And she was the guardian of beasts. So again, she had like tons of different hats that she wore, right? Mm. She was also connected with a lot of nature. So like birch trees, holly trees, flax, wild berries, various animals, basically anything that lived near her home in the mountains. So like the alpine region was kind of under her domain. So think of those type of animals. That makes sense. So how did she become this scary thing, Lindsay? So do you remember uh, Samhain? How that got changed a little bit? Just a touch? The the bat bonfires that were just so wholesome and fun. Yeah, wholesome and fun. When Christianity rose in power and popularity, some things changed. And it's pretty well known that with the rise of Christianity, a lot of pagan customs were either absorbed or converted in a way that kind of perverted what that original holiday was. So something that was wholesome was transformed into fearsome, right? I hate it. hate it like as much as we love the spooky and the creepy and all of those things it's it's interesting to see like this like beautiful kind of comforting figure be warped into something so terrible yeah (laughs) so she went from basically a beautiful woman who guided children to a violent demon who made sure that people worked hard also their folks thought that she would capture children and would eat them similar to krampus Mm-hmm. Of course she did. Yeah, as one does. That's what all demons do. So Birch's link to winter solstice couldn't be erased. People were still celebrating winter solstice and they were still celebrating her. And so more and more, the church worked to make people think that she was a demon. So they would describe her, as Amanda said, as a hag. They said she would eat babies and she would mutilate people. And they also would say that she had an iron nose. And what's interesting is that she's not the only ancient goddess that was described as having an iron nose there's also baba yaga from who's part of hungarian folklore which i don't know a ton about but i think we could probably talk to her talk and talk to her talk about her in a later episode but she also was talked about as having an iron nose Mm -hmm. it's just like a similar path that she was on where they described her one way and then she was demonized and then turned into the scary hag so there was even the cult of birchda which was outlawed in bavaria in 1468 so folks would leave offerings to birchda or like during like the christmas time of year and that was forbidden and documented by church officials in the same century that's crazy to me. That's crazy. Like, nope, you can't celebrate anything the way that you want to celebrate it. It is wrong. And now it is outlawed. And let's not really celebrate women. Oh, no, no. They're hags. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're virgins or hags. There's no in between. So she was no longer worshipped as she was before. She was also it was kind of rumored that she was part of what was known as the Wild Hunt, which was a well-known legend in Europe. And in the Wild Hunt, there was all sorts of like ghosts and ghouls and demons and witches that would soar through the skies and they would collect the souls of the dead which sounds a lot like something you would hear about Halloween. Mm -hmm. Yeah I loved it. And some say they were deceased souls and others say that they were fairies or devils. 10 out of 10 love any type of fairy story. And so some say that she was the leader of the wild hunt and then others say that the wild hunt was led by Birchtold or Wotan and Wotan is the Germanic form of Odin. 
So today's lore, it's said that how she's seen depends on whether or not she is pleased with the person who's seeing her. If she's pleased with the person that she's seeing because they worked hard or they were a well-behaved child, then she'll appear as a, quote, divine beauty. However, if you haven't worked hard enough or you haven't eaten enough, then she's seen as like this hideous hag. Amanda, the 12 days of Christmas features heavily in this. I love it. I love their 12 days. Yeah, it's way better than our weird song. Did you think the 12 days of Christmas began or ended on Christmas? I thought it ended on Christmas. Same. So I was like, what do you mean it's 12 days after? So first day is Christmas. Last day is Epiphany. And interestingly, in America, we celebrate Christmas. I'd never heard of Epiphany. I'm also like I celebrate some Christian holidays, but I celebrate like the cultural aspect of them, not the religious aspect. Easter is Easter Bunny to me. So not surprising that I hadn't heard of Epiphany. But in Europe, Epiphany is much more popular as I had seen during our research. So it's not surprising that we would see more folklore about a different time that's celebrated more in different cultures. So it's thought that that Birchda would visit families and they were folks were encouraged to leave out savory foods and sweets as offerings to Birchda in addition to working hard and being well-behaved children. So When we were researching, I got very excited because I typed in Christmas monsters. This comes up and I see Perchta the belly slitter. And I was like, I'm in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that Rick and Morty uh, meme. Yeah. Son of a bitch, I'm in. And it's like the finger guns. I was like, yeah, that's me. So it's thought that Perchta will slit the bellies of anyone who didn't eat enough on Epiphany. And so she would slit the belly, pull out the innards, and then stuff straw and pebbles inside and leave you as you were. Makes sense. Yeah. If you didn't eat enough. Yeah. When I was reading, I saw, quote, only a full round belly was said to defect her blade. And I was like, aha, the only villain who I'm safe against. And I was very pleased about it. (laughs) It's like, yes, I am safe. A good work ethic and a round belly. Not I. Anywho, it originally was just they didn't eat enough belly slip. Then it was they didn't eat enough. Or they didn't spin enough flax by the 12th night. Belly slip. Then spinning flax mm-hmm. became more industrialized. So I believe it was more machinery based. So things were done more quickly. So it, it warped from like just eating to like eating and having like a really good work ethic. Which, okay, interesting evolution. I don't think that it's a bad lesson. Work, work, but don't. <laughs> it's a very violent lesson. <laughs> I think that people should work hard. I don't think that you should split your belly if they don't or someone else should. But you know what you will. I wonder if we're being too easy on American children. Like maybe maybe we need these traditions and they'll stop being (laughs) assholes. We just need to threaten them more with weird, scary deaths instead of coal. There needs to be more supernatural things looming against them. The police state of Elf on the Shelf is simply not enough. Nope. Mm -mm. (laughs) We need birch stuff. (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's what my sweaters are going to say for Christmas this year. <laughs> you need birch stuff. Can it be? This is so stupid. Birched on a perch. And we get, <laughs> and it's a little hag. And she's sitting from like, like a little like hanging. You know, like the bird perches that you can get and put them in mm-hmm. a cage. Mm-hmm. It's like a little hag sitting on that. And she's got like a big knife and she just swings. Yep. Yes. A thousand percent. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck elf on a shelf. We need birch on a perch. <laughs> Toy companies. Get on this. Our, our email's on our website. Just let us know where, where you need us to be. Copyright True Creeps Podcast 2020. <laughs>
Man, yeah, I would buy that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you like Halloween and you're saying you wouldn't buy that, you're lying about something. Yeah. If- I wouldn't put the Halloween in Christmas. <laughs> yeah. But if you're not a good child, Birch on a Perch is going to come down and slit open your belly and fill you with rocks <laughs> and shit. <laughs> that's the box (laughs) rocks and then it's end shit (laughs) yeah so children were who were unruly were thought to get tossed in her sack and carted off with their legs down dangling out as a warning to others so one of the reasons that i was like let's do christmas monsters was because i kept seeing on facebook a lady krampus who would take rude men and throw them into a pack because she would take them home and eat them and i was looking for lady krampus now does lady krampus exist not from what i can see but there is a movie that i need Mm -hmm. to watch it's very important to me. I think there's going to be a Lady Krampus too, as well, which tells me that the first one was good enough. Good enough. Not good. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> I don't want to set my expectations too high. It's called Lady Krampus. You have expectations on that? Oh, I absolutely do. I mean, I again, I do love a good D-list horror movie. So like okay. the bar is low. But anywho, she's just tossing kids in her backpack and heading on out. She did a lot of weird things. Yeah. So she covered a lot of bases, which I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. So she also had some blessings. So if you say you did, you know, spin your flax, eat a lot or were not an unruly child, you would be given like sugar plums and nuts. For example, that's what kids were given if they did their schoolwork. If the lamb was plowed, she would make it fruitful and and the cattle for that farm would survive. Yeah, like luck. She would give them luck yeah. in their land. Yeah. Yeah. And then in 1889, scholar Julia Schmidt said shepherds thought that she would bless their flocks if they had given her offerings of flax because of the spinning of flax. The other idea was that she would come to their house on the 11th. 11th day of Christmas evening. So it was like the 12th night Eve. Yeah. And if the folks would let her in, appearing as an old lady, and they d- gave her some of like the remains of supper that were left out, she would then bestow blessings upon the home. And that sounds like a busy night, like going over, eating everybody's leftovers. I imagine her as like coming down the chimney and you need to leave her leftovers. <laughs> it's not like it's not cookies and milk it's like just what i just just fix me a plate put it in the microwave yeah (laughs) yeah but it's just like a really good excuse to not have to clean up after dinner that night birch does come in what if the blessings on the home were that she just cleaned up after dinner and that you didn't have to that'd be enough another reason why we need to bring her here yeah bring birch to back yeah or just over start a hashtag yeah So there's also something called the Perchton, and it's basically like a group of Perchta's companions. And at least as early as the Middle Ages, boys and men would dress up as the Perchton around Christmas time. And they'd dress in the horned masks and animal hides. They'd ring bells. They'd have switches. And they'd say that they were repelling winter demons. Oh, now it's not as spiritually related, but I did see when I was um, actually looking on YouTube for more like of her celebrations that there are still festivals that look like this. And I couldn't understand what they were saying because it was not in English, but these festivals are still there. And it looks like just imagine a bunch of crazy like Krampuses running around like almost like a parade is what I was watching. I've seen that a lot of times what we think are Krampus Mm -hmm. parades are actually this. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, 
I thought it was pretty cool, but also like really weird. Like imagine, you know, in our in our country, if if we saw things like that, everyone would be like, no, no go. Halloween's evil. Scary horned demons are terrible. (laughs) And there it's just like they're scaring away the winter demons. That's all they're doing. They're out demoning the demons. We can't have anything nice. Amanda. So I, I I wanted to know if Birch on a Perch existed. Oh, no. And it doesn't. But there is a fragrance called the Belly Slitter Fragrance. What do you think it smells like? Oh, worry not. Iron, apples, black pepper, forest, cade, and ghost pipes. <laughs> ghost pipes? Ghost pipes. What's a ghost pipe? You know I'm going to Google it. Ghost pipe. Oh, it's a flower. Okay. It's a waxy white flower. I want to have a garden of ghost pipes. Heck yeah. Is ghost pipe poisonous? It tastes like asparagus. Oh. And it might be toxic. Oh. I mean, what did I really expect from ghost pipes, I guess? I needed you to know about the belly slitter fragrance. I'm very excited and I will be Googling that. (laughs) So the tradition of dressing in the masks and doing these parades still happens in modern times in Germany, Switzerland, Austria, and several other countries. And the parade, like you mentioned, like we thought it was just a parade of Krampus, but I guess it's alongside Krampus. And yeah, they they pretty much believe that they're scaring away winter ghosts and demons. What a time. What a time. Right? It sounds exciting. (laughs) Yeah, it, it sounds like a nice spooky Christmas pastime. Yeah. So perch does still a thing in Europe. We need to bring birch on the perch here and start scaring children when they're bad. Instead of just telling them Santa's watching, Birchda or Perchda is on her way. She's coming on over. <laughs> I was very excited for these. Like, it's so interesting yeah. how scary Christmas time is in other places. And it's not just like Santa and everything surrounding him. And I, Santa's still a fairly new tradition from what I understand. Oh, yeah. And like this stuff's been around a lot longer. So it's just it's fascinating to me. I also find it fascinating that our like brightest and cheeriest holiday happens at the physically darkest time of the year for like a lot of people. So I think that that's an interesting kind of like juxtaposition. And we'll talk about that more when we talk about like the history of a different Christmas monster. But I just think it's interesting that in America, we're like, make it bright, make it happy. And other countries are like, let it be what it is. I read something and I didn't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because then I would have never slept again. But it was talking about how Christmas was like a time for drinking and parties and like debauchery and that we had to reel it in to make it cheerful and Santa and loving and boring. Boring. Yeah. So I like this. I like the the crazy, scary Christmas. And that's what I want now. I'm demanding it. (laughs) I'm going on strike until it happens. Yeah. Okay, so our next Christmas monster is named Gryla, and her name loosely translates to Growler, which I appreciate and love. (laughs) So in the 13th century in Eda, Snorri Sturluson talked about Gryla, and in their poems, they described her with the following traits. Goat horns and hooves, a long nose covered in warts, black eyes on the back of her neck, black teeth, but it didn't seem like they were black, like, from rot, like they were just naturally black. Deformed nails from each finger. To which I ask you, if you were a mystical creature, 
and your nails are all the same way, would they be deformed? Do you see what I'm saying? If it's on you, one of a kind creature, is it deformed or is it merely formed? Oh, I don't know. Right. Is it normal for yeah. her? It was normal for the yeah. Gryla's. Like, Gryla had nails that were different than ours. Live your truth. She also had 15 tails, and that's specific, but each of her tails <laughs> had 100 bags. And just before I tell you what those bags were filled with, that really made me think of like when you go to the grocery store and you're like, I'm not going back. <laughs> like she was like wherever she came from, she was she was making it in one trip. But OK. Yeah. So she had 100 bags and each one was filled with 20 children. And in case math is hard, that's 300 children that were affixed to her tails. How big was Gryla? Because in a lot of pictures I see <laughs> pictures, photos taken of Gryla. <laughs> was <laughs> taken of Gryla in the 13th century. She was she was a normal sized demon. I mean, I don't know. Maybe her tails were retractable. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Thanks for clearing that up. You're welcome. That's me, Gryla expert. So she lived, she's thought to live in the mountains of Iceland in caves. So in the the earliest accounts of her were oral accounts that were like past town. But then the earliest written reference was found in the 13th century in different poems about the region. And so one reads, here comes Gryla down in the field with 15 tails on her. 15 tails, yeah. And another says, down comes Gryla from the outer fields with 40 tails, a bag on her back, a sword, a knife in her hand, coming to carve out the stomachs of children who cry for meat during Lent. And so, okay, a few things. First, that's more tails. Secondly, yes. I wonder what color her backpack was. Do you know what I mean? I just, I like, I wonder about so many things about her. I don't know. She's got a lot of accessories. I wonder why all of them thought everything wanted to slit open their belly. It's a very specific attack. That has never gone through my head that demons want to come and slit my belly. But it seems like that was like a particular concern. Yeah. I don't I don't know. So and it, it, an interesting note, this one's talking about Lent. And we'll get to it in a little bit. But Gryla wasn't originally associated with Christmas. That comes much later. Yes. So in Iceland, it gets very dark around Christmas time. There's not a lot of light there then. And so... Before Christmas was celebrated in Iceland, there was a midwinter holiday called Yule. And it comes from a version of the Old English and Old Germanic word for Yule. And it was a time for gathering together and celebrating and feasting. And it kind of evolved into their modern Christmas. Mm -hmm. But it was also like it was darker in terms of the like, time of the year, but also in how it was celebrated, because it wasn't just a time to like bring together your relatives. It was also a time to bring over to bring around like the ghosts of your relatives. And it was thought that elves, trolls and other magical or spooky creatures were thought to kind of just be lingering about right. and that sometimes they would wear masks and kind of visit, if you will, which really reminds me again of Sawa. Yes, because it was thought that like demons were doing what they will and ghosts were doing what they will. So prior to the 19th century, Gryla was the personification of the winter and the darkness and the snow getting closer and taking over the land again. So again, very similar to Samhain. Now, she represented winter and she was also thought to control the landscape. Icelandic folks merely saw themselves as inhabitants of the land and that it was run by mythical creatures such as Gryla. Sounds very scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever been to Iceland? I have not. But now I want to. <laughs> it has kind of like when you compare it to 
Okay, we're going to compare everything to America because we're Americans. This is where we live. Yeah, like, yeah. Maryland, like, sometimes we'll get some floods because we're near water and it rains sometimes. It can be really humid sometimes, but, like, it's not Arizona heat by any means. And sometimes it'll snow, but it's, like, once a decade where it's, like, crazy, crazy snow, right? So it's not, like, mm-hmm. it's not a really a dangerous place to live. And not that Iceland is either, But I would say that they have more of like a chaotic type of landscape because when you think that like part of like there's glaciers everywhere, there's earthquakes regularly, there's volcanoes, there's geysers. Like it's a much more intense place than I think most places in America. Yeah, that makes sense. When we went there, there's a place where they'll have like hot springs all over the place. And there's a place where you can go where they bake bread in the ground because the ground is so hot that it bakes bread. It's a delicious bread, by the way. Well, in Arizona, we can bake cookies in our cars (laughs) in summertime. So (laughs) we got you, Iceland. (laughs) Suck on that. (laughs) Okay. What do you have to combat the northern lights? Um, Scorpions. (laughs) trying to think let's see um so that's pretty and like magical Mm -hmm. so the opposite we have dust storms that you can't even see the sky it just takes the whole sky away it's terrifying (laughs) yeah no thank you they're called haboobs i'm not mature enough for that so i yeah all right that makes sense that's why they blame the random creatures because they're the ones making the underground hot and all kinds of weird stuff happening makes sense now thank you (laughs) So she wasn't actually connected to Christmas time until around the early 19th century. So not terribly long ago. And some poems began to associate her with the holiday. And I guess there's debate, though, that it was the 19th century. And then some say there are things from the 17th century. So somewhere between that time. And it was around that same time that the Yule Lads and the Yule Cat became part of her family. And we're going to talk about those two next. And those two are fantastic but all of these figures were individual stories and then they're like you know what why don't we lump them all together yeah and then it became this crazy weird family of scary beings this tail demon needed a husband it definitely did (laughs) and it needed a cat for sure i mean who doesn't need a ton of children yeah yeah a demon cat i love it my favorite things to come out of scary christmas is the yule cat oh absolutely and you'll you'll find out why in a minute. <laughs> so from there, she kept track of whether children were naughty or nice all year. Sound familiar? And if children misbehaved, she, she would kidnap them, take her into her cave. Once there, she would boil them alive and then make them into stew. Also sounds familiar. Just kidding. It doesn't. It doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if like you take your kid to see Santa Claus and they're like, have you been good? And they're like, we've been trying. Well, if you're not good, I'm going to kidnap you and make you into a stew. Do you think kids would be well behaved? I, I would I would like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's why when people are like, well, other countries are better. It's because they threaten their children with death. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, her husband would lie in bed and wait for this stew made of children. And then her kids, like like I said, are called the Yule Lads. And they were around, I'd guess, eating stew too. Children's stew. Or uh, licking pans or spoons or whatever they did. 
Oh, yeah. They have a lot of weird things that they like to do. And in total, some of the stories about her say that she had three different husbands. And in some stories, she had 72 children. So, I mean, I guess that's why she really didn't like children anymore, right? That's a lot of children. That's too many children. Well, she had a lot of tails to hold the children. In bags. In bags. Child bags. Child bags to make stew. Think of how fun Christmas could be, guys. It could be so much fun. <laughs> well, let's get into our children then, the Yule Lads. Yeah, yeah. So when we talk Yule Lads, we're talking about only 13 of Gryla's troll sons, because her husband was also a troll, I believe. So it makes sense that they were trolls. Everyone's a troll, but not a treasure troll. So it's thought that starting 13 days before Christmas, they would leave their home and one by one, they would invade and stay in someone's home like up until Christmas. So like one lad per day doing what they will. And they would leave by epiphany and they would quote, bedevil the family until they left, which I thought was a very interesting and sweet way of being like being super annoying, but not in like an aggressive way, just like very strangely annoying. So we're going to yeah, no belly slitting. No belly slitting. And so we're going to, they're named after the annoying thing they do. So we're going to tell you about what they did. So one was the harasser of sheep. Another was the stealer of milk. One was the eater of crust in pans. So I'm thinking like eye crust and such, right? One would lick all the spoons. Another would steal the leftovers that were in pots, which tells me that Percho was not going to be getting leftovers from those families. And another was the stealer of leftovers in bowls. So Percho was definitely not getting anything. There was also the slammer of doors at night. Only at night. It me. <laughs> Stealer of yogurt. Specific. Yeah. Stealer of smoked sausage. The window keeper. <laughs> that one. That one's the messed up one. <laughs> the stealer of what, what we would say is snowflake bread. The stealer of meat by method of hook. <laughs> it's so specific. The stealer and possible eater of candles. Gryla's so worried about everyone else's kids that she didn't fix her children. Yeah, they're really strange. <laughs> she never stopped them and told them not to eat candles. <laughs> so specific again. In the 18th century, there was a competition to tell the most gruesome Yule Lad story. It doesn't seem very gruesome, though, all the things. That I they think would- that people like got progressively worse about like with their stories. Like, yeah. Yeah. So who knows what? I mean, there's a lot of kids or 72 in some tales. So maybe they got progressively worse in that sense. <laughs> The stories got so out of control that in 1746, there was a public decree to quote the foolish custom of scaring children with the Yuletide lads and ghosts. So it outlawed it. They didn't want people to do it anymore. They were like, enough of this. Which is like, can we have any nice things, please? So yeah, I I was looking for some of these stories and Amazon actually has some. So there's some newer ones that are like, you know, 10 bucks or so. But there's some older paperback ones that were like 80 to $120. And I kind of want to order some of them. You'll you'll need to check it out. You just put your lads in, a bunch of books will come up. And just like the pictures that you can see of some of them are just great. I don't know why, but one of my most favorite pastimes lately is whatever we're talking about to just like pop it in the old Etsy and see what comes up, like the belly slitter perfume. Well, yeah, everyone needs that. (laughs) So today the lads are more like Santa. They leave gifts in children's shoes, which is a pretty popular custom, I I believe. Yeah, I I think Santa leaves some stuff in shoes, too. Well, St. Nick does as well. 
on state next day, which I think is December 6th. Cute. I think that's like a cute little tradition. Yeah. So in the 20th century, as American Christmas and Santa Claus got more popular, there was attempts to, quote unquote, Santify the Yule lads. And their bellies got bigger. Their troll-like whiskers got a little more bushier, like a beard. And then they also wore the red and white costumes. They also began leaving more gifts rather than, you know, stealing sausages and snacks and leftovers and all of that fun stuff. I find that fascinating and annoying. Annoying. Right. That just all these awesome stories change. Yeah. <laughs> or become, yeah, become too wholesome. They also tried to snuff out Gryla and like the whole family altogether to make it into just a character-esque, family-friendly group of people. And from what I'm seeing, it looks like there's just two depictions of them now. There's the crazy troll-like stories. And then now there's also where they're kind of santified. So both still exist from what I'm seeing online. Troll Santas. Troll Santas. Yes. And then their lovely Christmas cat. The Christmas cat, also known as the Yule cat, is the Yule Lad's pet cat, as we talked about. And it first appeared in the 19th century. And it's a black cat who's thought to have razor-like whiskers. So apparently in Iceland, it is a custom to give one another warm clothing. It's also thought that folks should be wearing new clothes around Christmas time. And so what the Christmas cat does is he stalks and kills on Christmas Eve. And Basically, he'll kill anyone, young, old, rich, poor, if you have a hole in your sweater. Or if your clothes just like look a little old. Yeah, they had to be new. And see, that tradition is here too. But it's not that a Christmas cat will kill you. It's that your mom doesn't want to take Christmas pictures of you opening pictures with holy old PJs. <laughs> you need new ones so you don't look like that, like you normally look. <laughs> If you notice, like, uh, kids' PJs are, like, a big thing around Christmas time. Or I don't know if you've seen, like, the Christmas Eve baskets where you give them, like, PJs and a book or PJs and hot chocolate and things like that. And I wonder, and I have no idea where that tradition came from, I wonder if it stems from the Yule Cat. And I hope it does. <laughs> I love the idea of a Yule Cat. I don't love it with I like I don't like that this cat is a little classist you know what I mean but like I wish they had a better target like it was like people who didn't understand the true meaning of Christmas like something like that or like people who were like rude or mean or I don't know people who yelled at retail employees <laughs> like that's who the Christmas cat should go after a hundred percent yes all right that's our next thing that's what we're bringing back the Christmas cat will go after you if you yell at retail employees under any circumstance. Yeah, any all year yeah. round. The Christmas cat is taking notes. Do you know what a tulpa is? Mm -hmm. Okay, a tulpa is it's it's like okay, it's a mystical being that exists purely because people believe in it. Obviously this is like a legend. Wait, are you saying the Yule cat doesn't exist? Uh, no, I'm saying okay. that our Yule cat could exist by means of being a tulpa because we believe hard enough. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm going to believe real hard because so hard. if you Google the Yule Cat, the pictures are my favorite out of everything I've seen while researching for this episode. And I just put it in Amazon and sweaters exist. Just saying sweaters of Yule Cat exist and they're fantastic and I need all of them. One of the things that I'm sending you for Christmas might be Yule Cat related and you're going to love it. And I... That's all I'll say for now, but I just need you to know. You can, if you have your Kindle, it's free. And there's the Yule Cat, a Christmas short story Kindle edition. 
I mean, as there should be. Well, and Yule Cat can be found in stories. There's books. And Bjork even wrote a Christmas cat song. And we both have listened to this masterpiece now. Yeah, it's not in English. We'll put a link out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the things. The link we'll give everyone has the song, but it also has it translated. Yep. And there's even poetry. And it's wonderful. Who doesn't want a good little Yule Cat poem? Yeah, so I... I feel like there there are so many Christmas monsters. There's many that we didn't even have time to cover today. But these ones, just understanding the difference between how we see Christmas time and how other countries see Christmas time is fantastic. I love it. I loved learning about it and seeing all these awesome traditions. Yeah, I, I like the idea that people have to be scared into wearing new sweaters and uh, being decent humans. And maybe we just need to do a little bit more of that on the reg. Also, tell your friends that Yule Cat 2.0 will come for you if you are rude to retail workers. And we're also going to add anyone who works in food service. Fair, so, fair. Restaurant yeah, workers, it's both. retail employees, they they are carrying everyone right now. Yeah, they they really are. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas or just a wonderful December time if you don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And we hope that no monsters slit your belly open, no cats eat you, and that you get through the day. Thanks for creeping with us in 2020. Our next new episode will be released on January 8th. See you then. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps.